When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plants, it's time to Hemp Resent. Our radio resident Hempo Sapien Vivian McPeak will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to Hemp Resent about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. My friends, I am Vivian McPeak, and this is Hemp Present. If you have feedback or would like to suggest a guest or topic for Hemp Present, email me at hempresent at gmail.com. I greatly enjoy hearing from you, the listener. Today's guest on Hemp Present is Nyambi Tosh. Nyambi is the youngest child of legendary reggae musician and activist Peter Tosh. She serves as the head of the Peter Tosh Legacy and Brand, managing member of Tosh Holdings LLC, board chairperson for the Peter Tosh Foundation L, uh, Limited, and president of PT Capital LLC. She was instrumental in the planning and development of the Peter Tosh Museum, which opened in 2016 and is a national landmark edifice in Kingston, Jamaica, dedicated to the preservation of her father's legacy. Additionally, Niambi and her and her family founded the Peter Tosh Foundation in 2017 to serve as a vehicle for the realization of her father's dream. In February of 2017, her brother Joara musician and cannabis activist, was brutally attacked while incarcerated for cannabis possession in Bergen County Jail in New Jersey. Tragically, Jawara succumbed to his injuries in 2020, compelling Niambi to work to raise awareness of the dire conditions faced by prisoners, the need for prison reform, and the necessity 
the, the legalization of cannabis nationwide. To that end, Niambi serves on the board of directors for the nonprofit cannabis advocacy organization Minorities for Medical Marijuana and serves on the advisory board of the Last Prisoner Project, an organization geared towards cannabis criminal justice reform. And she's joined me today to tell us more. Welcome, Niambi, to Cannabis Radio. Hi, thank you so much, Vivian, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, that the pleasure is returned. Um, it's it's really great to have you on the show, um, Nyambi. In in 2017, while in prison on a cannabis possession charge in New Jersey's Bergen County Jail, your brother Jawara uh, was beaten by another inmate and sustained traumatic brain injuries. He was in a coma for more than a year, and tragically, he passed away uh, in 2020. My condolences on your loss. Thank um, you. I'm just curious what else you would like to tell us about his his story it's just so profound yeah um well you know my brother is um my father's youngest son he's a a follower of rastafari he's a musician as well as an activist and in 2013 he was arrested for cannabis possession in new jersey um and um he had, um, he didn't have his first hearing and, uh, until another three months later. And um, that's when, you know, my family um, realized how serious um, the situation was because personally, I just was like, all right, um, this will go by. We're not some, a family that's in and out of the criminal justice system. And um, I just figured it was something that would pass, you know, um, but it wasn't until that first court hearing, uh, three months later, mind you, that um, we heard the prosecution offer a 20 year um, plea bargain. And, um, and mind you, this is for cannabis. Um, and at that time, uh, he was, um, the bail was set to, to $200,000. And, you know, my brother is a man that has never been involved, like I said, in the criminal justice system and um, is really just a peace loving, uh, fun loving musician. Jawara actually means peace loving um, in Swahili. And so that was the first time that we realized that this was something that really wasn't going to go away. It was, it became a part of our reality and we got really pulled in to this world that we um, were very unfamiliar with. Um, three months later, he was able to make bail and we're based in Boston actually. Um, although the arrest happened in New Jersey, uh, my brother and I and my mom um, live, in, live in Boston and it was uh, my mom and my, and my brother's girlfriend and myself were at that trial to hear the 20 year plea. Um, offered. So he eventually made bail. And um, each time that he would meet with, you know, attorneys and, and the judges, um, they would always tell him like, you know, this is the best offer that you're going to get. You know, you, you need to accept the plea. And we were really torn, you know, as I said, if anyone doesn't know um, Peter Tosh, uh, he wrote the iconic song, Legalize It. He has been really the, the pioneer in the legalization movement uh, because of 
you know, our family's beliefs. We are followers of Rastafari and, and we understand the powerful, um, not only the medicinal benefits of the plant, but also the, um, the spiritual benefits of the plant. And so we were really torn with standing up for what we believe in and fighting a fight that we know needs to be fought. But at the same time, you know, my father is a, my brother, sorry, is a, is a father of four children. And we didn't want to risk um, having him, uh, you know, be made an example of by the um, New Jersey criminal justice system. And so um, after about three years, uh, my brother finally decided to take a plea. Uh, we were, well, he was offered um, five years and he was told by his attorneys that, hey, you know, it probably will end up being one year and you'll get time served. And, you know, this can be something that you, that you put behind you. And so that's what we expected. And so in um, January of 2017, um, my brother turned himself into Bergen County Jail and a month later is when um, my mother received a call from um, the hospital in New Jersey, um, Hackensack Medical Center. And it was a surgeon saying that we need to perform a life-saving medical procedure on your son. Do we have your consent? And my mother called me frantic, you know, crying and she couldn't really even process the question. And it was me who had to really authorize um, them to perform this life-saving medical procedure. We didn't really know what had happened at that point, but we knew that from Boston, we had to get to New Jersey. And so we immediately um, went to the airport um, and hopped on a plane. And um, we had the support of his girlfriend and and my cousin as well. And when we got to the hospital, um, we were originally told that my brother didn't have the right to see visitors. Um, and so we, we, and that we needed to call the, the jail. And so we called the, the jail and, you know, they're giving us the runaround, but I, I really think that because of my father's name, um, that they allowed us to, to go see him. Um, when we stepped into the surgical ICU, um, he had a neck brace on, um, he was fighting for his life. He had tubes down his throat, um, his face was bruised up and he had a handcuff on his ankle and he was surrounded by correctional officers. Um, you know, this is a, like I said, was a, is a man that's never really been a threat to anybody. And um, it was definitely an experience that um, at that point, I knew that, you know, I had a bigger fight to fight for. He stayed in the hospital for another three months in New Jersey. And then we, um, but during that actually, during that stay, um, we were constantly bullied by um, 
you know, the touring guide who was responsible for um, authorizing us to see my brother. You know, at times she didn't want to let us see him at all. At times she um, would say, you know what, you guys only have 45 minutes um, to see him. And fortunately we fought to uh, get my brother released um, due to his medical condition. And after about a month, um, the correctional officers were no longer there, but it really took not only, you know, it took like a team, it took, and thank God I, you know, we had the support that we did, but it was very emotionally um, draining. You know, my brother from the injuries um, wasn't able to walk, talk, um, feed himself, do anything um, for himself. He was completely um, incapacitated and really just fighting for his life. And um, although doctors pressured us to give up on him at that point, uh, we know that my brother is this, you know, this larger than life personality and, and we know that he would always want us to, to choose life, you know, by any means necessary. And so that's what we did. And um, after we brought him to Boston, he was in the hospital there for almost two years before um, we were able to take him home. And um, we just wanted to give him the best possible chance for survival. Uh, and it was being around myself. I had quit teaching at the time and because um, I was doing that along with running the estate and decided to dedicate my life to caring for my brother and advocating. And by the way, the typing is audible. <laughs> I don't know if there's typing that um, that's being picked up on someone's okay. end, I'm not sure. So, so Naomi, we are a minute away from the, the first break, but they had your brother chained to the bed even though he was completely incapacitated? Correct, correct. Wow. That's that's just that's just unbelievable. Uh, so, so this is the first time that your family really got a personal experience with, you know, the the depth that prohibition dehumanizes people. Definitely, you know, and we hear all of these um, terms thrown out, and it's not really until you're you're face to face with it, you know, with a loved one that you really fully understand what it means. I'm speaking to Niambe Tosh, and we are going to take our first break, uh, hear a word from our sponsors, and come back with our second segment. So don't go anywhere. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. 
We're back to Hemp Present, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. We're back on Hemp Present with Nyambi Tosh. Uh, Nyambi, your brother performed under the name of Tosh One, and as you mentioned, was a devout Rastafarian who recorded several of your father Peter Tosh's most popular songs, including, uh, as you mentioned, the 1976 cannabis reform anthem, Legalize It. So it's even more striking that he would be incarcerated over cannabis with no prior record of arrests. Um, and, you know, it's, it's common knowledge that prohibition has been used as an instrument for oppression, disproportionately targeting communities of color since its inception in the 1930s. Um, your brother was chained to bed, even though he was not a threat to anything or anybody and was physically incapacitated. That experience motivated you to advocate for criminal justice and prison reforms. What kind of reforms are you working to see enacted? Um, you know, it's very important that we, um, that first of all, no one is incarcerated for cannabis. Um, that's, you know, that's the first real goal. Um, but being also someone who was, uh, you know, raised in, in Boston in the urban area and in inner city, I, I, there's, we have to look at, um, changing the way we look at um, prison reform and, and a lot of the issues that we see where we see crime prevalent, it's really an issue of, of poverty, you know, and, and we have to readdress the way we support those that are in need the most, you know, if you, if we leave people with nothing, um, then we end up seeing, you know, we end up with the results that we don't want. And so criminal justice reform really has to start from a place of, um, you know, compassion. How do we help those that are unable to help themselves? What types of supports can we put into the community to avoid, um, you know, minimize the risk that people will end up in the criminal justice system? I'm a former educator and the school to prison pipeline is very real. Things that, you know, circumstances that happen in an urban school are just handled very differently in a suburban school. A, a student that is dealing with trauma at home, it oftentimes, you know, may be expelled or sent to a detention center where in a suburban community, you may have that student get the services that they actually need to really process the trauma that they're dealing with. And when you're in a community that of um, where violence is prevalent, you know, I had a classroom where I asked students, you know, raise your hand if, you, if you've lost a fellow student and more than half the class raised their hand. You don't see that happening in other communities. And it's, and it's very important that we start from the root of the problem and, and change. Um, the way we even think about criminal justice reform altogether. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the most effective form of criminal justice reform really starts in the communities and creating an environment where people are not being cycled through the criminal justice system, right? Um, and then once they're out, people need re-entry assistance and job training and uh, record expungement. I mean, it's, it's really a massive, yes. a massive effort, right? Yes, there's preventative maintenance and then there's also, um, you know, as you said, the kind of post-incarceration supports that are needed to, to really allow people to thrive. And then, of course, you know, how they're treated while they're incarcerated. 
um, is, is critical as well. And the, the horror stories are, are almost endless. Um, Niambi, Jawara's nightly routine with his children included reading the Bible together, which he continued while incarcerated through phone calls. Can you describe your brother a little more for us? What, what kind of a man was he? Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up as the quiet one and he was the person, um, I didn't have to say anything. He was always full of life. You know, I could sit, everyone would say that you can kind of just sit back. And when Jawara was in the room, you, you knew it and you felt it. Um, and that's what made him such a captivating performer. Um, he's all, he's just very fun loving and, and, and giving and caring. Uh, some people would describe him as a, as a big kid, you know, cause fun was, uh, <laughs> something that he, that he valued and laughter, you right. know, was something that he valued and And he's someone that once you know him, um, you feel his spirit because he was also just very real and very honest. Um, and sometimes to a fault, you know, when you have that big brother where you're just like, you know, do I have to feel your presence every time? (laughs) 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 But it's what made him special. You know, um, anyone that, that knows him can really testify to that. Your family has filed a lawsuit against the Bergen County Jail for not protecting Jawara while he was serving the last months of his sentence for possession of cannabis. Uh, can you tell us anything about the lawsuit? Yeah, um, COVID definitely slowed things down tremendously. And so now um, we're still really in the discovery phases of that, unfortunately. Um, it's, a, it's definitely an uphill battle. Uh, New Jersey is really uh, what I would ha- what I would say has a, a, a prison economy, you know, um, particularly mm-hmm. in Bergen County, um, Hackensack. You you would see a bail's bondsman on on almost every corner, and so um, we are prepared to fight. We are prepared to to do everything possible to to seek justice so that um, there is some accountability the prison that, you know, makes improvements in their system that's failing so many families. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an industry, right? It's a, the prison industry is a, a, a growth industry uh, in that state. Um, well, I just wish you absolutely the best of luck um, with that case. Um, y- your father is a legendary reggae superstar who used his art and his celebrity to call for social justice. You have also been an outspoken advocate for legalization and social equity, um, yet you spent several years as a high school teacher. Was there a time when you did not feel as free to speak about cannabis? And can you touch upon your own use of cannabis a little bit? I understand that you started using uh, ganja a little later in life. Yeah, um, tried it when I was really young and um, just didn't, just was always busy, you know, and, and um, once I became older and uh, maybe in my, in my mid twenties, I became um, more comfortable, you know, consuming cannabis as a, as an educator, I definitely um, didn't speak outwardly about my personal consumption um, to my students. <laughs> um, but right. I, um, you know, I, they knew who my dad was. I would always share during the month of October, which is his birthday. I would always share, um, you know, 
um, different tidbits about who my father is and his and his efforts and his messages. And, and I had no problem, um, even though I was a math teacher, <laughs> no problem sharing um, what he stood for, you know, and, and you know, yeah. kids will always be like, but did, do you smoke weed? And, and I lied because I felt like I was too cool to say yes, I would probably encourage <laughs> um, <laughs> too many. It might be have an indirect, you know, um, right. or a very direct way of influencing teenagers to use. And I, and I didn't want to do that. Um, right. But since leaving, I definitely have have learned to become more comfortable, um, you know, with, uh, you know, all walks of life sharing, you know, the way I consume and, and sharing that it's not for everyone. I think that um, although I, I'm definitely a proponent in it being a first um, tool in the tool belt when it comes to dealing with, you know, so many different ailments um, it is a journey that, you know, you have to experience and find that right fit for yourself. So, um, it's taken me a lifetime, <laughs> about to be 40 to, to really, you know, become really firm in, in my belief about mm -hmm. it. Even though I was great, even though Peter Tosh is my father, I still live in America, you know, yeah. <laughs> and the messages, you know, we all grew up hearing, you know, this is your brain, you know, this is your brain on drugs, you know, that thing, that message sticks with you. And although I, I, I never really, I recognize cannabis as a drug, um, we, we still had to learn how to navigate within this, this oppressive um, um, world that we live in. And, and really, it takes a strong person to really come out of that and still stand firm in your beliefs. Absolutely. Absolutely. I am talking to Naomi Tosh and we're going to take another quick break and come back with our final questions. So don't go anywhere. Time to roll out for the people that let us hem present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart. Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. We're back with our final questions for Naomi Tosh. Uh, Naomi, your family has been through so much. Uh, your 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 efforts are really, you know, so commendable um, that that you're using, um, you know, your the the power of of your family's name and everything to fight this injustice. Um, we still have a few minutes to talk. Is there anything that you'd like to add that we haven't covered? And how can our listeners follow your good works and support you in your effort to find justice for your brother? Uh, definitely. Uh, I would say that we have covered um, just about everything. Uh, we did uh, recognize as a family a few years ago 
April 20th, 420 as International Peter Tosh Day. And so we used that day to really celebrate my father's um, lifelong dedication and fight for freedom and his, um, his advocacy in you know, the legalization movement. And um, so if anyone is looking to kind of continue on and supporting um, our, my family and many others that are, are really um, still you know, in jail and incarcerated, uh, please do follow us on um, all of the social medias at you know, wherever Peter Tosh, um, so at petertosh.com uh, as well as any social media platform. You can find us following Peter Tosh. <laughs> Great. Are you encouraged uh, at the the recent reforms that have taken place in New Jersey, uh, now New York? Do you, do you think that we're we're getting closer to turning the corner and maybe defeating prohibition for good? I do. I do uh, think we are getting closer. Um, this is a, a global effort. You know, um, the same the same injustices that, in, that are here in this country do exist, you know, in different countries around the world and the same people, the same demographic, you know, people of African descent and uh, Native Americans are all, um, and the natives of the land also are always the ones that are targeted no matter um, what country, you know, you, you look into. And so the fight continues. It's, it's definitely amazing to see so much progress, but I know my father, um, was always kind of ahead of his time. And so we could, although I can appreciate all of the progress that has been made, um, and so many people see legal, legalization and don't understand, um, there's so many layers to what that can look like, you know, just as simple as access. You know, I'm a single mom, I can't even go to a dispensary um, with my child. And although that seems so foreign to some people, um, you can go into the supermarket and buy alcohol and liquor. Well, you know, um, with, you know, with your family and as a follow-up of Rastafari, this is part of my culture. And so I continue to fight and to make sure that everyone has access. However, that, however, that is, is necessary. Naomi, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. I, I just wish you nothing less than total victory in your quest for justice. Uh, thank you so much for taking time out to talk to us. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Hempy trails to you. That concludes this installment of Hamperson on Cannabis Radio. When it comes to prohibition, you have the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice, so find your voice and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Stay strong, my friends, and get involved in the struggle to end federal cannabis prohibition. Now it's time to turn up the music maestro and take back the plant because I'm out. Marijuana! The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. 
or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.